Welcome to another podcast of Dr. Leslie Bakupong. Be blessed as you listen. How many of you are ready for the word today? Yeah. So today I continue with the series I've been doing. What was the series we are, we, are, we are on? The devices of the enemy. The devices of the enemy. If you don't know what we are doing, it means... Oh, sorry, I checked. It's been a long time. The devices of the enemy. So the first day, what were the devices we dealt with? We dealt with two. We've been dealing with them in twos. The first day we dealt with what and what? Camouflage. And then what? Distraction. As in your attention being distracted. On the second day, what did we deal with? Pardon? Human beings. Yes, human beings as tools. Yeah, in fact, the first day we did three, right? Oh, we did three. So distraction, camouflage, and then the first day we did two. So the second day was what? Human beings, uh huh. Fear and anxiety. All right. And then the third day, what did we deal with? That was last week. Accusation. Uh huh. The first one was false doctrines and religion. And then the second one was what? Accusation. And then the third one, pardon? Discouragement. We couldn't start the discouragement. So today we'll deal with the discouragement. Amen. Yeah. So on the note of accusation, I spoke about different levels of accusation. Different levels at which Satan uses accusation as a tool or as a device against the children of God. I spoke about the fact that the devil accuses us to God. He's constantly standing before God, telling him that this child of yours has done this and done that. And because of that, he or she doesn't deserve your goodness in his life. He doesn't deserve to even continue to live. He doesn't deserve the good things that come his way. But we thank God that Jesus Christ, after retiring from the earthly ministry, went into the ministry of intercession, being a mediator, seated at the right hand of God, always countering the accusations of the enemy. Hallelujah. Because, you see, one songwriter said, if he said, Lord, if you will mock our transgressions, who will stand? That's where Jesus comes in. If God says he's actually going to take all our transgressions into consideration, most of you, God would have just left your side and allowed the devil to deal with you. Because trust me, Satan is always looking for you to deal with. That's when Jesus told Peter that Satan seeks to do what? Sift you as wheat. You know what sifting of wheat means? You put it on the what do you call it, the sieve, and shake it. Satan wants to shake your life. He doesn't like the calmness in your life. He doesn't like the, the tranquility in your life. He wants to shake you and bring you to a point where you are discouraged and you are disoriented. Hallelujah. Yes, so Satan is constantly accusing us before God. And then the second level of accusation is that Satan accuses God to us. That has been his modus operandi right from the beginning even when he was in heaven as lucifer he managed to convince one third of the angels i'm just doing a quick recap for the benefit of those who were not in church last week it will take just two minutes the bible says he managed to convince one third of the heavenly hosts even though it's not stated directly that he accused god every rebel tries to gain support by accusing the incumbent 
And I told you that we are going to 2020 very soon. The opposition, NDC, what they will use against MPP is accusation. You said you would do one district, one factory. How many districts are there? And how many factories have we seen? So they have failed pointing the fingers. That is what anybody who wants to take power does, comes to accuse. Free SHS. Is it really free? When you listen to the communicators, is it really free? What is the essence of free when the dormitories are packed with people? This is bad management. And you see, when NDC was in power, MPP was constantly using the words incompetent. Incompetent. And it's like incompetent went to a new, a different level of meaning. Like me understood incompetent more <laughs> during the time NDC was in power. Because that is what those who want to come and take power will do. They will accuse. So I believe Satan went to the angels one by one and accused God of what he accused them. I don't know. Oh, if I come, you people, you will be on my left, you will be on my right. Those who are not in favor, they will be far away from the throne of grace where the light of God emanates. Give, give them promises and thank God only one third caught his vision and followed because the one third as I always say they became the demons they became the principalities they became the powers and so for every one demon if one third fell to him it means two thirds were still correct and untainted that means for every one demon every one principality that Satan sends into your life there are two angels that are there for you hallelujah that's why the Bible says them that are for us are more than those that are against us amen so he accuses god to us you pray and god doesn't answer huh you say you believe in god didn't he tell you that everything you ask in faith he will give to you didn't you have faith you had faith but it didn't come that means god is a liar just like how he did it in 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 the, in the garden of eden he said god he's trying to hide this thing from you if you eat this thing you will become like him he doesn't want you to come to his level. He wants you to stay there like that, ignorant. So go, go chop that thing into your eyes will be open. He's always wanted God to look like a liar. And I told you that, that is why when you receive a prophecy, you are told that oh, this will happen in your life. You don't go to sleep. Because Satan will move to work. Because at the end of the day, one of his greatest aims is to make God look like a liar. So he will fight the promises of God in your life. Just so that God will look like a liar. Hey God, and you said this. And the opposite is happening in my life. So when you are giving a word. Even if God tells you himself. Between the task here, the Lord, and it is done. It is warfare. Hallelujah. You have to pray the thing into being. Elijah prophesied rain. But he didn't go to sleep. He went and prayed seven times. Until the Bible says, he saw a cloud the size of the hand of a man. That is how it works. So he will accuse God to us. He will accuse us to God. And then he will accuse us to ourselves. Because of our past mistakes. When you are progressing in life. When, when, when the anointing is increasing upon your life. Your ministry is going forward. Then he will come and remind you. You, you think God can use you. Then he will take you back. Six months ago. Some very, very bad thing that you did. 
and he'll remind you when you are just about to mount the pulpit or about to pick the microphone to lead some praise or worship. Say you are, you are saying lifting up holy hands. Do you remember six months ago? What you did with your hands was that holy? Was it holy? He will accuse you to yourself. And a lot of people have been paralyzed by the guilt of past mistakes. And so they can't move forward. But every guilt is taken away by reason of the blood. Hallelujah. And I told you that that past mistake didn't cause God to take you out of his plan for your life. It didn't cause him to, to strike your name out of the good the, the list of the, the people he want to bless and anoint and use. And I told you that God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. When he calls you, then he will qualify you. And he's not looking for perfect vessels. He's looking for what? Yielded vessels. That's all he's looking for. Hallelujah. So don't let your past mistakes be a hindrance. If they call you to a position of leadership, they call you to a position of service. That is when Satan will come and give you your resume. All the bad things that you have done. You say, you, do you think you deserve? And you today call you minister, so, so, and so. Cry. The kind of ministrations you've done in the past, negative ministrations that you have done in the past. So Satan will accuse us to ourselves. And then he will accuse us to each other in order to bring confusion. I told you that there are a lot of relationships, marriages. People are not enjoying their relationships and enjoying their marriages because they are falling to the accusations of the enemy. Satan will always come and accuse the people who are supposed to be pivotal in your life into your ears. Your husband, your wife. Come and put all sorts of ideas about the person in your mind to cause you to focus on the negatives and not think about the positives. One of the strongest things Satan does in order to keep homes unhappy or relationships unhappy is that he brings back memories of past hurts. I'm sure you've been there before. When you remember the thing the person did to you and you keep meditating upon it, you feel as if the thing has happened fresh. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Hey, those of you who are not lifting up your hands, why? You are not human beings, eh? You just go say, ah, this you and your roommate, that, that room is too nice. The room is too fine. I don't like it. So you remember some time ago when maybe your roommate, some conversation you had with her and her mouth became too slippery like okro. And she went and leaked the information to somebody and the person too went and twisted it and by the time you heard the information, it was completely different from the original. And you were so hurt. But time has healed you. You are fine. You are letting things go. And then things are now fine in the room. Everybody is okay. Then one day Satan comes to whisper, do you remember? How can you be laughing with this person? Look at what she did to you. And then you start meditating and remembering. And the time you realize you are in the same mood you were the day the thing happened. It is a device of the enemy. He will use it against you in dealing with your brothers your sisters, your friends, your beloved, when you marry, the same. Hallelujah. The power of accusation, a device of the enemy. But today we want to deal with discouragement. Everybody say discouragement. Say discouragement. Um, technical people, is it the same sentence? Is it my original sentence? I'm sounding different to myself. 
Is it the saved settings? Because there's supposed to be some saved settings for me. I know there's a level of base that I'm not hearing today. <laughs> discouragement. Everybody say discouragement. Alright, so discouragement is one of the weapons the enemy uses. What are some of the causes of discouragement? Yes, anybody. Or maybe you look into your life. What are some of the things that have caused you to be discouraged before? Or in fact, let me start. How many of you have been discouraged before? How many? And I'm looking at the hands. The angels and the immortals in the house. How many of you have been discouraged before? How many of you have been discouraged? Yeah, I mean, I'm lifting my hands very high. I wish I could even touch the ceiling. Yes, discouraged. What are some of the causes of discouragement? Anybody? Delays. Yes, delays. One of the top causes. Yes. Anybody else? Yes. Failures. Yes. Hey, people are preaching my message. <laughs> yes. What else? Disappointment. Charlie, they are preaching my message. <laughs> what else? What are the other causes? Yes. Oh, my, my sermon has been preached. In fact, let us, let us look. No, if, if I show you my notes, it's the same words. Pepe, pepe, pepe. Yes, anything else? Anything else? There's one bit that if you say it, then it means next week we'll ordain you, senior pastor. <laughs> yes, what, what, what are the other causes of, of discouragement? Some other causes of discouragement. Yes. Disappointments. Yes, disappointments. That one is also there. Yes, anything else? You say? Unkind words. Yes, that one too is it's a cause of disappointment. Uh, sorry, <laughs> discouragement. Uh huh. There's someone, if you say it, and I know that, Charlie, you can take my place here. <laughs> anyway, since nobody is saying it, I shall remain the senior pastor of the church. <laughs> All right, so I just want to take you through some of the reasons why we can get disappointed. Oh, sorry, or, 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 or discouraged. So the first one is disappointment and unmet expectations. That's what I have here. So people are in the spirit. Disappointment and unmet expectations. Sometimes people, human beings can disappoint you. Can disappoint you. Especially when you have invested so much in them. You have spent time. Me, in ministry, when you are going to ministry, you should be prepared for disappointment. You should be prepared for disappointment. I mean, there have been people in the past I have spent time on because they had one issue or the other. You spend time trying to correct them and straighten them and you believe that, oh, after months of speaking into their life, you will see a change. And then on they go back and they are doing exactly what you asked them not to do. Ah! There was one lady like that some years back. This lady was in a very bad unholy relationship she was a christian she loved god and everything but she found herself with an amalekite and it caused her relationship with god to become so bad like this is somebody with so much potential there's a lot she could do in the house of god and all of that but you know that kind of thing where you say you want to go to church and that's when he's calling you come to my house and you know that when you go to the house you come back with something you want to confess. There are some people, when you, anytime you meet them, when you part, it's confession time. You have to go before God. I have come again. It, it was that kind of relationship. 
You see, we are, we are supposed to stir each other up onto greater works. But some people, they, they lead you into lesser works. Lesser works. And this was that kind of relationship. Where her relationship with God had become some way and, you know, that sort of thing. So I started counseling her. Started counseling her. And because of the depth of involvement, it was becoming difficult. I'm not one to directly tell somebody, leave this relationship. Unless, of course, there is sexual impurity in it. And, that, and my basis for doing that is biblical. The Bible said, flee. Youthful lust. That's what I want. It didn't say stand and take the shield of faith and do this and that. No, it said flee. Run away. Simple. So if I advise you that this one run away is biblical. Hallelujah. The Bible says who can carry coal in his bosom and not get bent. You are carrying the coal in your bosom and you are saying hey, I resist the fire. I resist the fire. It will not resist. It will burn you. So I counseled their counsel. I was like look it's looking like this thing. You cannot stop. The best way out is to find your way out. Find somewhere to pass. Struggle. Oh, it took months. Finally, <clears throat> she gathered the courage and she broke away from this guy. I was like, oh, thank God. And I told her that, you see, as part of the rehabilitation or the reformation process, stay away from any relationship for at least six months. And try and repair your relationship with God. Strengthen your relationship with God before you go and attach yourself to somebody else. And this I hammered in her ears several times. I thought the thing had been cemented in her spirit. She went for vacation. She broke up with a gentleman. Two weeks, she went on vacation. She came back from the vacation just three weeks later. And, you know, me when I, when I enter the prophetic thing, it's it's accurate unless I don't go there if I go there there and I got as an accurate word of knowledge I went straight to her I told her look when you went home you went and started a relationship with your very very first boyfriend she opened her mouth I said close your mouth a fly will enter and I was so disappointed I was like ah you have told me several things about this same boy. She went to, okay, I'll, I'll mention the school. And <laughs> it was a middle school. It was a very popular middle school in this country. <laughs> They're like, why are you excited? <laughs> and she told me all kinds of things. The things the boy introduced her to and all of that. I'm like, ah, you are breaking out of a relationship to restart your relationship with God and you go back to your first love. You see, when they say going back to your first love, this one is <laughs> literal. <laughs> literal first love. So I was disappointed. In, in ministry, you will find yourself being in a place of disappointment. You will be disappointed. If I start quizzing you on some of the things I've taught you right now and you are fumbling, I'll be disappointed. Like, ah, I was preaching, I was sweating and all my towels were wet like that. I expect that, you know, you were also imbibing, but you were also thinking about your lunch and the date you are going to go for and things like that. Disappointment. So people can disappoint you. You can even get disappointed when the things you expect in life are delayed. You get disappointed. You see, 
Discouragement is simply when you lose the edge to keep trying. That is when, when you lose the edge to keep trying. That's when we say you are at a point of discouragement. You are discouraged. You just don't want to try anymore. It's like I've had it. I'm done. This thing is not going to work. Sometimes you pray about something and you're expecting God to answer. Oh, and you give God a certain time frame. Lord, if by this time, by this, you give your things. And that thing is not happening. But you see, you've given God time. What did you realize is that all the people wearing watches, including those that are sports that you are still wearing. <laughs> if I should ask for your time right now, you will all give me different, 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 different answers. Right? Should we try right now? How many of you have working watches? Working. Working watches. Okay, Caesar, what is your time? Nine o'clock. All right. I could say, what is your time? Nine two. Who else has a watch? Yes, uh, Sally. Nine five. Uh huh. Prosper. Nine four. So you realize that everybody has a different watch with a different time. So today I'm telling you that just as we all have different watches with different times, God also has his watch. And he has his time, but at the end of the day, God's time is the best. If you don't hear anything at all I've said today, take this one home. God too has his watch. The unfortunate thing is that you haven't seen his watch. You don't know what time it is reading. So you say it's delay. You say it's delay. And you have given him time according to what your watch is saying. By this time, Two years from now, God, I should grab. I should be getting ready, buying my engagement things. It's good. But you have to acknowledge that Ecclesiastes 3 says, there is a time and a season for everything under the sun. God has his own timing. Hallelujah. So don't get disappointed and get discouraged simply because the answer to your prayer has delayed. Tell somebody, keep trying. Tell somebody else, keep trying. Another cause of discouragement, and today I want to be fast because we have communion, is defeat. Somebody say defeat. When you are defeated, it's like you, are, you, have, you, have, you have been defeated. You are defeated. We expect victory all the time, but there are times when we have defeat. Let's read First Samuel chapter 30. From verse 1 down. This is a very popular. I want to show you how to deal with defeat, discouragement, by how a certain man of God dealt with the situation he found himself in. Let's go to the NIV. Give me NIV. All right. It said, David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day. Now the Amalekites, that's what these Amalekites, they cause trouble everywhere. Amalekites had raided the Negev and Ziglag and they had attacked Ziglag and bent it. Next. And had taken captive the women and all who were in it. So David and the men were not around and these Amalekites sneaked in behind them, took the women, bent everything, like took their goods. They just came and raided the camp. Both young and old. They killed none of them but carried them off as they went on their way. Next. When David and his men came to Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire 
and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. Hey, you the men that you're supposed to protect the women and the children. You left. And by the time you came, an enemy had come to take all of them away. And your tents had been bent, everything just gone like that. Next. So David and his men wept aloud. Somebody say wept aloud. Until they had no strength left to weep. Can you imagine that kind of weeping? Men. Wept. There's a difference between crying and weeping. Crying, you can cry with handkerchief. And be diplomatic about it. it weeping, there no holes by. Handkerchief is not enough. Even a rag cannot contain the tears. You, you weep from the bottom of your heart. So David and his men wept. What I'm trying to tell you is that in situations of defeat, weeping is okay. Hallelujah. Weeping is okay. Tell somebody, weeping is okay. We don't want to say, weeping is all right. Even Jesus, he wept. God in, 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 in the flesh, even him, he wept. Weeping is a way of reducing the stress. I'm telling you, sometimes when you are stressed out by something, and you lift up your, you go and hide somewhere and weep. Probably you come out and you're feeling like Charlie. The problem is house of me while it's still there. <laughs> it is okay to weep. Tell somebody it is okay to weep. Sometimes people bottle things up, and that rather causes more harm to them emotionally and physically. It is all right to weep. When Jesus said that Lazarus had died, the Bible said, and Jesus wept. The shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. It is okay. In fact, somebody did some research on tears and realized that tears contain stress hormones. So in weeping, you're actually reducing the level of stress. Hallelujah. Those stressors, cortisol and those things, they are inside. So the more you are weeping, the more distressing your body becomes. Hallelujah. Some, some people just have it. Some people also weep. Even if it's church and the worship is nice and tears are coming, cry, lie, lie, me to weep. No, it will never happen. And some people, they're weeping, they keep it in because their makeup will be destroyed. They have spent 45 minutes to let their face look the way it's looking. I shall not allow tears to destroy my hard work. Hi. It is all right to weep. It is okay. It is okay. During my father's funeral, when everybody was reading the funeral, the, the tribute, and they were all breaking down, I know some of you, you were waiting. When I get there to read my turn, I said, Charlie, today we shall see pastor. We shall see pastor cry. The Lord disgraced my enemies. They were waiting for me to get there and me to break down and cry. So when I finished, somebody asked my wife, ah, so your husband, why? He doesn't have emotions at all. He, told her, he has done his weeping already. <laughs> ah. No, the, the tribute, I wrote it. You see, the secret to reading tributes is that you cry when you are writing the tribute. Finish the tears. Such that when you get there, there isn't, all the tears are finished. Seriously, the secret to not crying when you are reading tributes is that you have written the thing with meaning and read it with meaning. When you get there, you read English. 
It's when you're adding thoughts and meanings to it that tears begin to well up. Then you spoil the reading. You just go and read, brothel, so, 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 and you go. When you finish, you can go and think about it again, meditate upon it, and cry again. It is okay to weep, it is all right to weep. But the thing about weeping is that it must stop at a point. The Bible says, Weeping may endure for a night, but as soon as morning comes, joy must come in. You mustn't continue weeping. Hallelujah. So weeping is alright. Expressing your frustration through tears is fine. This was David and not him alone, but with his mighty men. These are people who had the ability to slay giants. And they were weeping. What giant have you killed? So it is alright for you to weep. Tell somebody it's okay to weep. It is part of, of the process of dealing with discouragement. Weep, cry. Let's go on. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. Next. David's two wives had been captured. Two wives. Not even one. Two. <laughs> had been captured. Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal. David had a thing for other people's wives. <laughs> I don't know what it was. He just uh, Nabal's wife you take. Uriah's wife, you take. Everybody's wife, you want. Abigail, <laughs> the widow of Nabal of Camel. Next. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Further discouragement. We are all doing something together. I'm the leader. The thing fails. And then the people you are doing the thing will just turn on you. Uh huh. I'm sure he probably said, oh, let's go on this, uh, let's go and survey another land, then go and take it, and when they went, uh-huh, if we had just stayed with our wives, all of this wouldn't have happened. Even giants we can kill. These Amalekites, we could have just finished them like that. But because you said we should go and do this and this, and that is why we shall stone you. We'll kill you. <laughs> Whether you like it or not, today your life will end. <laughs> Further discouragement. When people you expect to stand with you in difficult times turn against you, There are difficult times in life. Now they are read the scripture. I said, in the evil day, they ask for the evil day, it will come. But the good thing is that God will be with you when the evil day comes. Yeah. He will come. They turned against him. These people who were ready to kill for him. At a point in time, David was fighting with them. And he needed water to drink. The Bible said, one of them broke through the Philistine garrison, went to a well, brought the water. He risked his life and broke through the garrison. Brought it to David. He said, drink this water. David said, no. How can you do this? I can't drink this water. This is too much. The same people around him now, we want to stone you. Because now, the thing, it, has attacked, it has attacked our own home. Our wives have been taken away. Our children, where are they? We're thinking of stoning him. The man was discouraged. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But look at the next sentence. But David found strength in the Lord. Give me the KJV for that one. That one I want King James. 
He said, but David encouraged himself in his God. Hallelujah. When you are discouraged, where do you look for strength from? That is the question. Where do you look for strength from? Sometimes discouragement causes us to look for strength from the wrong places. From the wrong people. Maybe oh, you've written an exam. It didn't go too well. You are discouraged. You can easily try to numb the pain by falling back to that besetting sin that you left a long time ago. Am I preaching to somebody? Discouragement can... can you, you look for comfort in the wrong places. You look for relief in the wrong places. After I've been holy and this thing happened to me, he that is down is fear no fall. You are looking for relief. You are looking for encouragement in the wrong places. When you are discouraged, that's not a time to go confiding in unbelievers. There is no counsel they can give you. Oh, but he's a good friend of mine. I have seen people who have, like, people have taken advantage of them in their down moments. Simply because they went to the wrong people for counsel, for help. Oh, I'm down. So this guy is my friend, he's my good friend, he's my study partner. So let me go and lie in his room. But you don't realize that at that particular time, you are spiritually immunosuppressed. And opportunistic. So for that moment, that Amalekite becomes an opportunistic infection. Oh, let me rub your back for you. Let me rub your back for you. Let me rub your back. Oh, don't worry. To be fine. To be fine. And the rubbing becomes something, something, something. By the time you realize sin is your portion. So when you are discouraged, the place to look for strength is in the Lord. It's in the Lord. Anywhere else is potential danger because when you are discouraged, you are vulnerable. You are vulnerable. You are vulnerable. He encouraged himself in his God. So you realize that he wept for a while. But you realize, no, I cannot continue weeping. I have to encourage myself. You have to come to the point where you can even you can encourage yourself. You must learn to speak to yourself in difficult situations. Somebody said, Arise, oh my soul, be strong and march forward. That means he had gotten to a point where the marching forward had become difficult. Now he was marking time. Why that sitting down? He said, Arise, you have been sitting down for too long. It is time to march forward. You need to learn to speak to your soul, speak to your emotions. When you are discouraged, you are down. Talk to yourself. Talk to yourself. Now look, I, I can't continue to be in this situation. I can't continue to be depressed like this. I can't continue to be sad. I can't continue to be down. And as I keep telling you, as a believer, there is no place for depression in your life. There's no place. It is not okay to be depressed. When you are crying and sometimes you don't even know why you are crying. It is not a good place to be. And I'm speaking to the ladies. Ladies, hallelujah. You are not ruled by your hormones. What may be normal for the unbeliever must not necessarily be normal for you. There are times when the hormones are all flying over. You you are just down. You want to cry. You don't know why you are crying. That is a time to speak to your soul. Arise, oh my soul. Stop being dull in some way. 
get to that point where everybody who comes near you, you want to buy the bedding. You come and digress. They say, oh, it's the homos. If everybody will blame things on homos, the things men will do. Oh, it's like estrogen, the progesterone. That's why I'm like that. And the man will say, oh, it's a testosterone. And you know what testosterone can do? Aggression, libido, all those funny things. Everybody will use the homos. Hallelujah. You don't live by your hormones. You are not controlled by your hormones. The Bible says, he that is born of the spirit is what? His spirit. So don't get yourself into that mode. In the pity party. You know, some people just enjoy being moody. It's like a very nice place to be. Where everybody pities you and you're happy. Oh, now I'm getting attention. That is not the portion of the believer. Hallelujah. Even if it's that time of the month and you are becoming somewhere, remember this sermon. Hallelujah. There's a difference between happiness and joy. Happiness comes from happenings. The things that are happening around you. You receive good news. You receive money. And may you receive money in Jesus' name. Happenings will give you happiness. But joy is a fruit of the spirit. So once you have the Holy Spirit, your joy is not dependent on the happenings that are around you. It is intrinsically generated. That is when you come to a point and say, I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I hear. I am only moved by the word of God. So you must continue to have joy. Whether your hormones are jumping up and down or left and right, you must still have joy. You must still maintain a smile. You must still be kind to people. You must stop shouting at the people that are around you. Hallelujah. You must learn to speak to yourself. Encourage yourself. No, I'm not going to be in this pit. You see, depression is like, it's like being in a dark pit. You are just there like that. Everything seems dark. You don't see hope in anything. That is not the place a believer is supposed to be. When you find yourself, look, there are a lot of people whose relationships have been spoiled by things like that. Just because they are living by their hormones. The hormones are determining what they do and what they say. You are more than chemicals. You understand? Don't allow chemicals to do. When you allow your hormones to control what you do, it's not different from the person who has gone to drink alcohol. Your alcohol is also a chemical. You're allowing the chemical to determine how you behave, to determine how you speak, to determine how your mood is. That is not the portion of the child of God. Hallelujah. It's not the portion of the child of God. He said, and David encouraged himself in his God. When you are done, that is when to pick scriptures. That bring encouragement. That speak to the situation. That is when you, you listen to sermons and encourage yourself. That is when you sing worship. You bring yourself into a place of praise. Even in your darkest moments, you will continue to praise. One of my favorite songs, that Don Warren song. I will sing, I will praise. Even in my darkest hour, through the sorrow and the pain, I will continue to sing. I will continue to praise. Because when you allow discouragement to come in, you have allowed Satan a victory in your life. Because this discouragement thing is a tool and a weapon in his hands. I pray that you will not allow discouragement to overtake you. Next verse. No, go to the previous one. Uh, did, did you move from the previous? You go to the previous one. Okay. 
Okay. It's in David's two wives were taken captives. I know. No, we've done this already. Okay, next. Six. Okay, let's go to seven. He said, And David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the effort. And Abiathar brought hither the effort to David. Next. So now he has started moves to recover. Started making moves to recover. And he started with encouraging himself in the Lord. The process is he wept, he encouraged himself in the Lord, and he started putting things in place in order to recover. He said, Then David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Some of you may think that this question is unnecessary. Really? Are you really asking God this question, David? Your wives, not wife, wives, have been taken away. Your children have been taken away. All your goods have been planted. You have men who can fight, who can slay giants. And you are asking the Lord, inquiring the Lord, shall I pursue? For most of us, this will be a straight answer. I shall definitely pursue. I shall, I, shall, I will pursue my wife that I have used money to go and marry. Children that have paid school fees on. And I'm looking for them to become great people in future. Some Amalekite has come to take them and I'm now asking God, shall I pursue? Shall I go after them? For many of us, that is a done deal. But the point I'm trying to make to you is that every action in your recovery must be with the permission of the almighty and it is not everything you lose that you are supposed to go back for it's not everything you lose there are some things when they leave your life is for the better it's not everything you lose it's not every human being who leaves your life that you must go and chase back it's not every relationship that when it breaks you go on a fast lord i claim i claim it's not everything that you must chase there are certain things when they go God will tell you let it go there are certain levels you cannot go to with certain people in your life it's not everything you lose that you must go back for so David inquired of the Lord shall I pursue after this troop shall I overtake them and he answered him, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail, recover all. Hallelujah. I see somebody recovering something that they have lost in the name of Jesus. In this coming week, may you recover something that you have lost. May some unexpected grace come your way. May some unexpected favor come from somewhere for you to recover that, we have, that which you have lost. Hallelujah. So you see clearly how David went about this thing. Yes, he mourned. He grieved, which was okay. He encouraged himself in the Lord. Inquired of the Lord. And when God gave him the, the, the go-ahead, he went ahead to put in action. Those are the four steps you take. When you have found yourself in a place of defeat, you mourn, you encourage yourself, you inquire of the Lord what you should do. And then you take the necessary actions. Point number three. So if that was disappointment, unmet expectations, defeat, 
And then that's the point that I wanted somebody to say and then I'll make you senior pastor. Reasons why we get discouraged. And that reason or that point is that there is no reason. That's why I say if you catch this one, if you had caught this one, you become senior pastor. Because there are times you get disappointed, you get discouraged and there's really no reason. If you look at the situations around you, you realize that there is no reason why you should even be discouraged. Those of you who minister, you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes you finish the ministration and it's like, Charlie, I haven't done anything. You are sad. Meanwhile, the people have been blessed. You are not satisfied with what you've done. When you are discouraged with no reason, most likely it is an attack from the spirit of discouragement. It's an attack from the spirit of discouragement. And one person who was under such an attack was Elijah. Anointed man of God. He had just finished defeating the prophets of Baal. He didn't just defeat them spiritually by causing fire to come down from heaven. He caught them and slew them. 850 of them. 400 prophets um, from the groups and then the other 400 who ate at Jezebel's table. Slew them, killed them, defeated them spiritually and physically. In front of the whole of Israel. You would expect that after such a thing, Elijah should be floating on a high. I have arrived. Now I can depart in peace. Lord, call me because I finished my work. The Bible said he went and sat under the juniper tree. And that witch called Jezebel just sent him a message that tomorrow you'll be just like one of these prophets that you have killed. Elijah is somebody who never feared anything. I mean, if you look at Elijah's history, I mean, Elijah bow to the court. He will stand in front of Ahab and tell him what he feels like telling him. If he wasn't afraid of Ahab, why should he be afraid of Jezebel? But he was under attack from a spirit of discouragement. The man sat under the juniper tree and the Bible said, he said, I have failed. I am like one of my fathers. Which of the fathers is he talking about? Clear attack from a spirit. It's like, there's no reason for him to be disappointed. There's no reason for him to be discouraged. He's supposed to be on a high, feeling good that Charlie, me to have done something. I'm like one of my fathers. I have failed. God, take my life. If this woman is going to take my life, they are rather fall in your hands. You rather kill me. No reason. And there are a lot of times you find yourself in that kind of position. Look, let me tell you. There are times after fire rally. Eh? By God's grace, I know there's, there hasn't been any fire rally that has been a failure. But there are times after fire rally, I feel like it's like the thing didn't go well. The, and these are, these are attacks. When they say pray for men of God, these are some of the things. Hallelujah. There are times I've preached the most impactful messages. I finish and I feel like I've not done anything. But you see, in those moments, eh, the encouragement comes from unexpected sources. That text message that you receive, man of God, I was blessed by your ministration. That is all that is needed to break that spirit. Look, that is why when somebody leads worship, when somebody leads praise, when somebody preaches, and the message is a blessing to you, 
there is no harm in telling the person that the message has been a blessing. You never know how far those words will go to encourage the person. Oh, there have been times when that thing hits like that. And you are just there. You feel. And every minister has gone through it before. Every minister. Ah, you ministered and, and everybody's like, really? There are times I, I finish preaching certain messages. I'm like, no. Today I don't like the way. And you're like, hey, really? You really didn't like this one? And I know it's a spirit of discouragement. So there are times you are discouraged for no reason. And that one is a spirit that Satan has sent. I pray that when those times come, you'll find strength. And you'll find encouragement from some source. Yeah. Human beings can also be tools in the hands of the enemy where discouragement is concerned. You want to start something, somebody comes. One singer told me, he said, look, he wrote a certain song. And the song was doing very well. And then he went to visit one of his spiritual fathers and his wife and the wife was like oh this song that giddy 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 crown she just said that and this thing broke his spirit after now he's trying to recover from it and this thing i'm talking about was years back said, oh, this is a, it's like the song was becoming a hit everybody was singing it everybody was excited you know he was getting to that point where charlie okay me too charlie hey, me too i'm called away <laughs> me too i'm anointed though he just went and this woman broke his face. Uncle see baby. Spoke funny. Hey, Uncle see baby. Just that sentence. So it broke the gentleman's spirit until now. He's struggling to recover. May you not be a tool in the hands of the enemy to discourage somebody. Sometimes you might think you are, you are speaking your mind, you are giving your opinion. By actually being used by the devil to break somebody's spirit. That is why every day you must pray this prayer. The Lord put a guard on my mouth. Have you seen the guard that they put on dog's mouth? When you want to buff it, so it doesn't bite you. Let's put the Lord put another version says put a leash. Is it leash? Something use a certain word. Put a guard on my mouth. God put a guard. That is a prayer you must pray every day. Because sometimes you might think, oh, what I'm saying, I'm helping you. I'm being frank with you. That this thing, it is not your ministry. Concentrate on where God has called you. There are people like that who want to be everywhere. You understand? And sometimes there's a particular ministry they like. But the thing is looking like it's not working in that direction. And they still want to do it. Before you go and speak to them, pray that God will put a guard. Because yes, there are times when a person will need somebody to call him or her into reality that look, concentrate on this particular one. But other times too, depending on the way you say it, you end up breaking the person's spirit and the person will not even do the thing again. So it's a prayer you must pray. Put a guard on my mouth. The last is failure. Everybody say failure. When you try something and it doesn't fail, it is a source of discouragement. You try something once, it doesn't work. You try something once, it doesn't work. You try a particular ministry, starting something, it doesn't work. You try a business, it doesn't work. You try a relationship, it doesn't work. Failure 
is one of the causes of discouragement. Let me show you a certain story. Genesis chapter 26. Let's start reading from verse 19. Genesis 26. That's my last point and then we close. Genesis 26, 19. He said, and Isaac's servants digged in the valley and found there a well of springing water. So they were digging, they were looking for water. And oh, they thought they had found water. Water began to flow. They were excited. What happened next? And the headsmen of Gera did strive with Isaac's headmen. So ah, I thought I had found it. The thing is working, the water is coming. Suddenly some opposition from nowhere. With Isaac's headmen saying, the water is ours. And he called the name of the well Essek. Everybody say Essek. Because they strove with him. So, ah, you started something. And you thought, oh, I found it. And then suddenly some contention comes and you lose the thing. Next. And they dig another well. Somebody say another well. Tell somebody you must dig another well. And strove for that also. And he called the name of it Sitna. So from Essek to Sitna. Next. And he removed from thence and dig another well. And for that they strove not. So Essek and Sitna had contentions. The thing didn't work. I'm sure from Essek, when he moved to Sitna, he thought, oh, that is it. Now I've settled. Now I've found it. This is, this, is, this is fine. But then there was striving. There was contention again and they lost it. He said, and he removed from thence and dig another well and for that they strove not. That means that one, there was no contention. There was no argument. There was no fight over it. And he called the name of it Rehoboth. And he said, for now the Lord had made room for us and we shall be fruitful in the land. Hallelujah. What am I trying to tell you? When you meet failure in an endeavor, you don't stop. Continue to dig. Continue to dig. You will dig, you will find Essek. You will think that is it. It will not work. You have to move on to Sidnat. It will not work. But finally, you will get to Rehoboth. You will get to your Rehoboth. Hallelujah. Sometimes in ministry, you will try something. It will not work. Essek. Sidnat. It won't work. But finally, God will bring you to the place of Rehoboth. Where there is no contention. Where there is no argument. Where it is settled. And you know that this is the final settling place. Maybe for somebody, your accommodation situation is the same. You are battling with landlords notorious landlords, difficult landlords. You move from one place to the other, always contention here and there. But I prophesy a Rehoboth for you. A final settling place. Hey, I thought you received this prophecy. I said I prophesy a Rehoboth for you. A final settling place where there will be no contention. Maybe it's even where to settle with work. You try this. You try that. No job satisfaction. But I prophesy a Rehoboth for you. A final settling place. Maybe it's even where relationships are concerned. You have been there, done that. 
move from person to person to person with good intentions. Everybody, you go with the intention of Charlie, this one day we shall marry. Marriage never comes. You move here, marriage never comes. Marriage never comes. But I prophesy a Rehoboth into your life. And I prophesy into your life that for some of you, where you are now is your Rehoboth. So stay there. Don't move again. You have found Rehoboth. Final place. No contention. No agitation. No confusion. May your Rehoboth come upon you. In fact, in this week, may somebody encounter a Rehoboth. In the coming month, may somebody encounter a Rehoboth. For the rest of the year, may God make somebody encounter his Rehoboth. A final settling place where there is no argument, where there is no contention, where there is no battle, where things are easy. Rehoboth. Charismatic Evangelistic Ministry, same, their headquarters. It's called Rehoboth Temple. You don't need to know that he's... In fact, when you hear that, you must know that they have had contentions. Like we are having contentions right now with our venue. But I prophesy a Rehoboth for us. A final settling place where there will be no contention, where there will be no argument, where it is settled. Bishop Doug made a certain statement. He said, in ministry, you fight opposition by building. I'm now understanding that statement. You see, there are certain things when the people make like, ah, what is he talking about? Until you get into the situation, you realize, ah, this is the revelation behind it. You fight opposition by building. And we are going to fight opposition by building. Hallelujah. That is why our property fund will be a success. And we will find our robot and build an ultra-modern auditorium to the glory of God. A place where when you step in, all your problems are solved. A place where when you get, your, your, your life is never the same. You are refreshed by the word of God. You are refreshed by worship. You are refreshed by praise. You receive your deliverance. You receive your healing. And a place where none shall be poor. None shall be poor. None shall be poor. I prophesy a Rehoboth unto this ministry. And by virtue of you being a part of this ministry, may that prophecy seep down unto you. As it flows from the head. In fact, I even prophesy a Rehoboth for myself. Where my final living place is concerned. You know, I told you during the 21-day fast that somebody did some mistake. Be money I had accumulated to go and to get a house next year. It was lost. But I prophesy a Rehoboth unto myself. And as it flows from the head, may it seep down to you. I said, may it seep down to you. May it seep down to you. May you also encounter your Rehoboth in the name of Jesus. You want to begin to pray right now. I said, Lord, take me to the place of the Rehoboth. Lift up your voice. Begin to pray. A final settling place. I don't know what that Rehoboth is for you. I don't know what that final settling place is for you. Maybe for you it is a business. You want to find that final settling place. Maybe for you it is in relationships. You have been up and about, but you want to get to the point where, Lord, now I'm settled. I am settled. I am happy. I am content. I am fulfilled. Just begin to pray that, Lord, bring me to the place of the Rehoboth. For some of you, it may be accommodation issues. You need your final place. That final place of settlement. Where there is no contention. Where there is no argument. Come on, let me hear you pray. Come on, let me hear you pray. We are in a prophetic atmosphere right now. And if you are sensitive 
you are going to plug into that atmosphere right now let the grace of Rehoboam be released unto this congregation in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth the son of the living God the Rehoboam a final place of settlement where there is no contention maybe it is not for you but for your parents who are struggling to find a final place of abode let this grace reach them and touch them wherever they are in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth let a God of miracles the God of signs the God of wonders begin to move in your life in the name of Jesus begin to move in your life in the name of Jesus begin to move in your life in the name of Jesus I use you as a point of contact for the rest of your family may the Lord bring you to the place of settlement may the Lord bring you to the place of rest you have contended for too long you have fought for too long a time of rest is coming a time of victory is coming in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus he is the God of miracles signs and wonders He's a God of miracles, signs and wonders. A God of miracles, signs and wonders. Signs and wonders. Let the Lord do it again in your life. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. The Rehoboth. The final place of settlement. A place of no contention. A place of no fight. A place of no argument. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the Son of the Living God, the Rehoboth. In the name of Jesus, God of miracles, signs and wonders, as we worship, we will do it again. God of
Today, as you prepare to come to the Lord's table, I, I feel there's an atmosphere of miracles in this place. An atmosphere of breakthroughs. I, I sense that God is sending angels to change situations in people's lives. This week, watch out for some testimonies. Watch out for some major breakthroughs. Watch out for some awesome happenings in your life. And as you come to take this communion, it is the body of Christ, the blood of Christ, to remember or remind ourselves of the finished work of the cross. The essence of the cross is to bring solutions to life's problems. It's supposed to bring answers to the questions we have in life. So as you come and you are taking this communion, just be communicating to God what miracle you expect to see in your life. What breakthrough you expect to see in your life. If it is a healing you are expecting, just tell God. If it is a financial miracle you are expecting, just tell God. If it is for settlement in a certain decision that you are making, you just want to tell God. And as I've said always, our principle as far as this church is concerned, where communion is concerned, is that the only qualification you need is for you to be born again. A born again believer. So every born again believer is invited to dine with the Lord. The Bible says on the day that Christ was betrayed, he took bread. And after he had given thanks, he broke it. He gave it to them. He said, take this and eat. This is my body that is broken for you. And do this in remembrance of me. The Bible says after the same manner, he took the cup. And after he had given thanks, he said, this is my blood of the covenant that is shed for you. And he asked us to do this in remembrance of him. And so we sanctify these elements. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray that as we take in this bread and we take in this wine, symbolizing the very body and the very blood of Jesus Christ, let the power of the resurrection, the death and the resurrection of Jesus be seen and made manifest in our lives in the name of Jesus. Father, I prophesy miracles in this week. I prophesy breakthroughs in this week. I prophesy settlement in this week. In the name of Jesus, if there be anybody who is afflicted in his body, as a person takes your body, Lord, let the power of the healing Christ come upon that person in the name of Jesus. I rebuke every sickness from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet. The Bible says you were wounded for our transgressions. You were bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon you and by your stripes we are healed. I speak healing into your life. Physical healing. And for those that need emotional healing, Father, let the healing take place in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Trust you have been blessed by this message. For information on how you can receive more teachings from the man of God, reach us on 024-873-7250. Stay blessed.